So, hey, Parisi Nation, this is Steve Leo here. I'm your host for the Parisi Podcast. Today, I have two very special guests. I have on Catalin Ogren and Vicky Zilikowski. Uh, Catalin uh, has been in the network for is it five years now, I believe. Yeah. Five years. Um, Vicky's been in the network a little over that, right? What are you, about seven years in? Yeah, six or seven. Yeah, seven. Six or seven years in. Um, they both have very uh, accomplished backgrounds on a, on a personal level. So I'm going to kind of go over those a little bit. I'm going to miss stuff. So you guys have to fill me in. So Catalan, I'll start with you. So Catalan's been in the business for over 20 years, right? You've had your own business for, are you at 20 years now or 19? Well, well my facility will be 20 years in March. Yeah. So first, a big accomplishment in our industry. Not many people are open that long. Um, and everyone goes through difficult times as we're going through now, which we'll, we'll get into. Um, you've had Parisi's, like you said, for about five years. You've been doing martial arts for over 30, right? Since yeah. you were a, a child. Um, you also have written about martial arts in magazines. I know you've done a lot of work with UFC. You've written a few manuals. I know you wrote a book on MMA training, um, you know, on the weight training side. Uh, you've written 200 plus articles, I think, something like that, something crazy, oh, which is which is amazing. Um, also, Catalan's helping us rewrite our, uh, our trainer's manual. So we're, we're meeting uh, weekly to, to rewrite our trainer's manual, thank God, because she's a way better writer than me. Um, also, at her facility, which, which we get into, she has a ton of cool things she does because her facility is very diverse, where it has martial arts, it has fitness, it has boxing, birthday parties. So it's kind of a one-stop shop for everything. So I want to get into that a little bit later. And then, you know, I always got to bring it up. The coolest thing is your katana from... Uh, from uh, Mortal Kombat. So I want to get into that a little bit too. Um, Vicky, uh, I know Vicky very well because Vicky worked for me for a couple of years. Uh, Vicky would start out as a performance coach with me and worked her way up to becoming a program director and a little over a year ago, opened up to our, her own facility, workhorse sports performance up in Sparta, New Jersey, which we, we used to work together. Um, you've been in the industry for about 10 years now, Vicky, total? Give or take? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, Vicky's also a very yep. accomplished soccer player. Uh, she was an all-state, all-county goalie, um, worked her way up through, also played Division II soccer at Bloomsburg, Bloomsburg University, very high-level soccer. Uh, after graduation, you also coached at Bloomsburg and Fairway Dickinson University in New Jersey, uh, started in the strength conditioning industry, more, more as a strength coach. And then a couple years into it, uh, you know, we got together, you started work, we started working together, um, and then you rose up through the ranks, and, and now you're an owner. So, um, Two very accomplished, uh, not only females, but, but coaches in our industry uh, coming from a little bit different backgrounds. But uh, the first question I, I want to ask you is, you know, with both of your backgrounds, what led that or what made you lead into wanting to go into the fitness industry? So maybe we'll I'll start with Vicky if you want to kind of tell me, uh, you know, your next side science major, but what made you want to get into this, this type of industry? Yep. Um, so in high school, I was a little bit heavier. Um, I loved soccer and I mean, honestly, I didn't have or couldn't afford to really train or they didn't really have it when I was younger, I would say. So, you know, I always wanted to give kids opportunity that I didn't, you know, so. So do you start working out in high school, like just kind of on your own? Did you just go running? Did you uh, actually with my dad. Yeah. So I used to strength train with my dad in the basement and I would just run whenever I could. And then in college is when I really got into, into the strength conditioning. Um, cause I was an exercise science major with a concentration in coaching and strength and conditioning. Yeah. So did you think that this is what you would be doing when you were in college or you weren't really sure that you're going to be more of a college strength coach or you're still kind of figuring no, it out? No, I actually wanted to be a goalie coach for soccer. Yeah. 
and that's why I coached at Bloom and then at FDU. But then I, you know, I just I fell in love with strength and conditioning, and here we are. <laughs> here we are, ten years later. Uh, so I'll, I'll pose the same question to Catalan. You know, what made you want to get into the industry? Um, I mean, I fell into it on accident. It was something I was doing while in graduate school. Um, I did not go to college for any of the exercise or sports majors. I went to college for forensics and criminal justice applications. So I didn't even uh, know that. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually um, in grad school. I got a job as a TA to pay for my um, tuition. And while doing that, I got a job on the side at the largest health club in the United States called the East Bank Club. So I just kind of showed up and said, hey, do you want to hire a boxing kickboxing coach? And they hired me and thought that this was the most fun thing I could ever do. Uh, never even contemplated uh, being a female coach or a coach because women did not coach. Um, I had never, ever met a female coach uh, that was in any mainstream fitness or sports. Obviously there were female tennis coaches and so forth. Um, but I mean, I'm a little older than even you, Steve. So when I was younger, women did not do this for a career. I did it for, for a side. And I was, a, I mean, I was a token hire, but I was really okay with that. It didn't really bother me because it was so easy to just do a great job because the bar was set so low, I think, to be quite honest. But what was amazing about working for East Bank was that at the time they were at the top of their game and they were leading the fitness industry nationwide and they provided stipends for their staff to get education. And I exceeded it 10 times over. But through them, even though they didn't pay for everything, a lot of things came through the pipeline and was available. They also delivered, because they were such a big company, really thorough in-services. So I was just getting free education absolutely everywhere. Um, I was very naturally good at fitness. And while movement was not my college major, uh, biomechanics came really easy to me. Like I had a really good knack for, um, at, you know, at the time, forensic osteology, which was basically like putting the body back together and analyzing where traumas came from. So I had this like real neat underlying knowledge of anatomy, but not muscle anatomy, kind of a different perspective on anatomy. Um, and I just basically recognized a great opportunity and then walked through that door when it happened. And then really just started pursuing all these amazing things in fitness. And I was really lucky that at that time I was entering the fitness industry when it was probably at one of its biggest growths, you know, everything, you know, fitness just changed at that moment in time that I entered. It went from being a purely step in high, high, low aerobics choreography based and the infusion of weights and strength training and women in fitness kind of emerged. And I happened to just kind of be there at the right time. So there was a lot of really good stars that aligned and I jumped on it. And then I just, I literally I finished grad school and just didn't go that route. Pretty simple. 
I think that's happened to a lot of people, right? A lot of people, they, they go in with one major and then they, they get a job. I think a lot of them probably could relate to you. You start training on the side, right, to make money. And then you're like, you know what? I really like this. I really enjoy working with yeah. people. I want to help people. And it kind of formed the, the way you think about not only fitness, but what you want to do with your career. And, and, and to go off with kind of what Vicky said earlier, you know, she got into it because she wanted to just feel better about herself, right? She wanted to, right, Vicky, you wanted to change your body. You didn't really like the way you were and you knew you wanted to get better for, for soccer. So you started training with your dad, um, which is, I'm sure it's still a cool memory for you, you know, and something that, that really probably shaped you uh, as, as a, you know, as a coach and as a person. So, you know, diving a little bit deeper, you know, uh, when you first started training, like Catalan kind of alluded to, Vicky, I'll, I'll go to you on this one because you're a little younger. When you first started working, I know you worked at uh, other facilities before. I know you worked at school and another training facility. How did you feel as probably one of the few females on staff? And but knowing that we have a lot of female athletes who were looking for uh, training, how, how did that work? I mean, it, was it weird? Was it hard? Or you didn't even think about it? I mean, I kind of know you well enough. You're probably like, whatever, doesn't bother <laughs> me. But um, what were your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's funny. Even in when I was in college. I started taking uh, the more the strength and conditioning route, and I was the only female in the class. All the Olympic lifting classes I took, all the powerlifting classes I took, I was there were seven people in there. I was the only female. Yeah. Um, fortunately, like you said, you know me. I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, for me, I took the route of like, well, I'm the only female. I'm gonna hang, try to hang with the guys, you know. Um, I actually had a lot of inspiring female coaches, though. I think growing up, like my college coach was female, mm -hmm. so that helped out a lot. Um, when I worked for Williams sport training, I was the only female on staff until we brought my friend Lauren on. Um, but it was me and him and one other guy. I think the when I came on, we got way more female athletes. Um, even now I connect better with them than, you know, the other staff members we have. Um, so, I mean, being a female in the industry, it's, Honestly, to me, it, I don't feel any different versus like if I'm training with you, if I'm training with Catalan, if I'm, you know, I just feel like there's no different, you know what I mean? There's no difference for me, you know, but again, like you said, I'm a little younger and it's a little bit more accepting now, I guess, than it was or unheard of before. So. Well, I think if you look at a lot of people when they go through um, school and figure out what they want to do as far as a career, and it takes exercise science, a lot of them tend to go more, kind of like what Catalan's saying, a little more the fitness route or exercise phys or physical therapy. Like you said, there aren't a lot of females who go into strength conditioning, although I've been noticing a lot of collegiate programs now are promoting uh, head strength coaches as females. It's starting to really change. And if you look at what's happened over the last couple of weeks, you have the first female GM in baseball now on the Marlins and uh, there's female coaches on football teams, on baseball teams. So, the playing field is definitely changing. Probably got a long way to go. I'm sure Catalan would probably uh, agree with that. And it's an, you know, you guys know I'm a dad of two girls. So it's very important for me to see what, what goes on in our industry. And I have a daughter now as a freshman in high school who we've already talked about college. She wants to be a physical therapist. Um, so it's definitely something that, you know, route that she wants to go. So Catalan, when you were, you know, starting out and working, how did you, I know you said, you just went in there and, and grabbed it. And I think, again, the both of you have very similar personalities where you're like, you're just going to take the bull by the horns and you're just going to do it. I know that's how you two are. Um, but what motivated you to do that? Like uh, Vicky said, you know, you definitely had your father support you. You had your, uh, you had your college coach, you know, definitely be a big influence. What other influences, Catalan, maybe th that you had when you were uh, 
starting out at that club. And then what was your transition? Did you go right from that East club to uh, opening your own business? Or did, was there other, other jobs in between? I mean, I was at East bank for seven years. So okay. you figure what's that like 22, 23 you start. So at around 30, I uh, was on the way to opening pal for sure. I think I opened pal when I was 30 or 31. I want to say. So, yeah, something like that. Um, so, you know, in any case, the, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what made me just say I wanted to be a boxing and kickboxing coach. I mean, I was really kind of on another upward swing in my martial arts career at that time and transitioning into kind of an interesting category of professional martial artist. Um, so with the stunt work and all that other kind of stuff. Um, and I was really training again, um, pretty hard. College was more of like a holding pattern in my training. As far as really growing as a martial artist, I grew more as a boxer. Like I dedicated a lot of my time to boxing while I was in college, but it was all kind of in secret because women really weren't allowed to box, if that makes sense. Um, Cause we're talking, I don't know, like, like mid nineties, early nineties, maybe that's a double check. What is that? Eight, 89. <laughs> Join your age today. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, it was just something I kind of did uh, incognito. You know what I mean? Yeah. I went in off times, but I was turned on to strength training in college as well. I mean, I can remember, um, which I pledged a sorority as a junior. And people are like, you were in a sorority that just doesn't sound like you. And I was like, yeah, but it was right across the street from the new gym. So I went through pledge week with the whole intention of being pledged by a house because it was directly across the street from the gym. And then I could park there and study and go back and forth to the new gym that was built on campus. I'm not saying that sorority life didn't provide me with other things. While some people are motivated by the social parties, I didn't think there was anything wrong that I was motivated by the proximity and the academic support. So, you know, I was very much on a mission to spend as much time in the gym as I possibly could when I was in college. And I think that set me up to have a certain level of confidence that when I graduated, because I wasn't taking classes in that, uh, to just walk into East Bank and just be like, hey, I want a job. Yeah, I mean, listen, it takes a lot of confidence to do that. And, and I, I don't think a lot of people have that. And I don't care if you're male or female. I think there's a lot of people who are a little scared just to jump in and do something that might be outside in a way your comfort zone, but also outside what you, you know you majored in, right? That really wasn't um, what you thought you were going to do. You yeah. probably thought you'd be like a CSI or something, right? At yeah, some point. I'm yeah, Illinois had just built the brand new state-of-the-art crime lab when I had graduated college. And that was, I went to the college that was the university that was attached to the crime lab. I mean, it was a pretty, it was a pretty simple connect the dots to where I was going to end up, you know, at that time. But um, like I, I said, I mean, honestly, it wasn't until I was probably 25, 26, where I really was like, this is a real career and I could actually make a life of this and pay my mortgage off of this. Uh, never thought about it 
never thought it was a possibility. I'll be honest, I don't even think I knew there were majors in it. I'll be honest, probably I didn't even realize there was a major in this when I was, because I had never run across any women who, I had no female coaches, my ballet coaches, and they were the meanest people I've ever encountered <laughs> in my life. Because I was actually a child ballerina. I didn't know that. They were horribly mean, but I was strong. I was good. I was disciplined. I was focused. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, what it obviously it worked because I took that discipline and directed it into martial arts. And then I had less mean coaches. My male <laughs> martial arts coaches were a lot less mean than the ballet coaches. That's pretty crazy. Think about it. Um, and, and it was kind of the same thing for, for Vicky, you know, Vicky, you know, you started out, you were coaching, uh, not only sport coaching, you were performance coaching, you worked at a more of a soccer specific facility that was a little more strength based. And then you and I met each other and you started working, we started working together. And I remember that first transition, you know, Vicky didn't love speed, right? It wasn't your, uh. first. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell a funny story. I sure, sure remember it. You know, we were, I was teaching her how to do some of the speed classes. She had never really done it before. And Vicky is excellent with strength. I'd put her up against, you know, anybody in our, in our network when it comes to strength training. And we were kind of, I don't know what it was with the schedule. And I'm like, all right, Vicky, you got to do a change direction class. And yep. Her face is <laughs> what is that wall behind her. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, well, figure it out. Let's go. And um, she, she, you know, she crushed it. And, uh, you know, she, she's done such a great job of becoming more of a well-rounded coach. But kind of like what Catalan was saying, you know, this industry is interesting because if you look at college programs, they're not really teaching the performance side of it. It's changing a little. Like I've, I'm seeing a change where, you know, coaches can get their CSCS now when they're, when they're um, in college. But like Catalan said, I mean, when I started, well, I started college in 92. So it wasn't like, you know, this is a big industry. You know, when you started taking classes in school and then once you got out, did you realize that like the sports performance industry was a big industry or you were still trying to kind of work your way through that? Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, honestly, when I went to school, yeah, when I went to school, there was like no, nothing to do with speed. Yep. Zero. Um, we did plyometrics. I had a whole class on plyometrics and stuff and progressions, regressions, and but nothing correlated to speed. It was always programming for strength. I don't know how it is now. Um, you know, or like sports specific stuff more, more than anything or Olympic lifting or, or powerlifting. That's pretty much what it was. So I had like, I did have classes on powerlifting. I did have classes on Olympic lifting, teaching the Olympic lifts, how to like judge them. Um, but it is kind of weird that there was, that's like even, I remember sitting in office with you and like you and me arguing, I think on my interview, my second interview with you and you were like, well, you have to teach speed. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, that's not a thing. Like, <laughs> And you're like, yeah. no, no, like, yeah. you know, kind of going back to something you said earlier about like the coaches and stuff, the thing with, I mean, as you know, I've told you, like, I think of you as a mentor, you Mark, like you guys never treated me different than a, a male coach. Like when you said you, I do remember you being like, all right, well, you're coaching change of direction today. And it was like a sink or swim kind of situation. But I feel like you would throw John in the same, like any of the other people in the same thing. So no one's ever treated me differently. That's why I think going back to earlier, like I never really felt any anything with male versus female because every coach I've worked with or mentor I've had have always treated me the same. 
you know, expect greatness and you get it male or female. I don't think it matters. No, I, I think it's true. And I thank you for saying that. I mean, I definitely, um, you know, enjoyed working with you and, you know, Kat and I have worked together, uh, you know, remotely. Right. And, uh, I think one of the things I've prided myself on is I don't care who you are, just work your butt off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like Kat on said, I don't think that's, that's the norm in the industry. I definitely think there are some people who have biases for and against females. I've seen it personally. I've definitely seen it in our industry. Um, and like you said before, too, the speed aspect is such a different aspect. And I don't want to call it a niche, but it is what we do, right? It's, it's what, we're, what we're known for. I mean, Catalan has the shirt on right there. But what I think what we've done a nice job of, and I want to see what you both think, is we've provided a different outlet for coaches, not just female coaches, but coaches to explore their coaching abilities, right? So, you know, like you said, you never really did speed work. Now, you're just as good of a speed coach as a strength coach, probably even better Catalan, who was more in the fitness industry, MMA, boxing. Now, this is a big part of, of what she does. And h- how do you feel Parisis has helped provide that education? And do you feel like this has changed the way you, you basically wanted to, you know, have your career in this industry? So it, either one can kind of chime in. I think the thing that I love about being part of Parisi right now or uh, since the beginning is that I've always loved sports. And I've been always a sports fan, but not um, knowledgeable enough to coach a sport. This to me is better because I get to coach athletes from a wide variety of sports. And while I may not know the minutia of how every athlete um, or how every sport uh, functions, I guess, as far as like the rule set and just like dissecting the actual sport itself, I still have something that's above and beyond the minutia of their sport. Like, I feel like the hierarchy is where we are at. And you have to disseminate this because it doesn't really matter what the athlete's sport is. It just matters that you make them better. And that to me feels more in, like you have more impact because while I would never tell a kid you have no chance of going to college to play sports, we know that there's such a low percentage of athletes that we work with that will actually get to professional level sports. So when professional level sports are not there to provide them with the career path that they dreamt of when they were 13, they're left with something that's so much more substantial And those are fundamental mechanical skills that they can like move forward into the next phase of their life as an adult and still be a mover and play whatever they want. The other thing is that I was extremely aware being pretty small as a female. So not only being female, but being on the smaller side of um, body frame and everything. I was very aware that speed made me better. I mean, I was just fast and I don't know why I was fast because I didn't do anything to be fast in my sport. And speed was my asset in the areas in which I moved. And then I really understood I needed to be stronger. So then I added strength to my personal regiment, which was that whole motivation in college. Um, not that I was like the fastest martial artist out there, but I mean, for my size, I was pretty fast. So I think that 
being part of the precinct network and the education that we are given, the impact we have is so much broader than when I was just a strength and conditioning coach. That's all, you know, because I was doing strength and conditioning and stuff for basketball and all these other things that were peripheral to POW's martial arts program. But the integrated kind of thinking that speed and strength for athletes need to kind of go hand in hand for me was really just an amazing evolution for my career. Got it. So Vic, I'll kind of, you know, same question, basically just how is that, how has this impacted you, you know, definitely on the speed side. And I think also you bring a different layer of knowledge because you know, you've been involved in, in high level soccer all your life and soccer is a different animal all to itself. You know, how, how year round it, it has become and how important I feel strength conditioning and really speed training has, has been a big part of that. And it, there's a little bit of a fight that goes on there too. We would probably argue a little bit, but how has that impacted you as far as the way you want to train your athletes, you know, now learning about our speed training and you've you embraced it because now you're an owner of it. Um, so like I said earlier, like I was just purely like you lift heavy and like, that's it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, then getting introduced to Parisi and realizing, okay, well, I had no idea you could change how people run first off. And I never thought like, Oh, there's actually a way you should be running, you know? Um, so I think working with you, learning all that, even now as an owner, like I've changed my whole strength program a lot. Um, so now it's more speed based versus powerlifting based, I guess I would say. Um, you know, still my older kids, they'll lift heavy, but you know, they do a lot more sprinting, they do a lot more jumping. Um, even with change of direction, you know, learning that there is actually a technique to cut. I thought it was just like, well, you just go this, like, you know. <laughs> Again, we weren't taught that in college. There's there's none of that. So it actually really getting into the Parisi network switched my whole mindset like all the way around completely from where I was. Because even just like when I was working for the other facility for five years, you know, it was soccer. We made people better soccer players versus like what Catalan said, better athletes. So it, it it was just like a whole different world for me. But, you know... I've grown a lot, I think, in the past six years, um, you know, not even as an owner, just as as a person and a strength coach, dealing with my athletes, dealing with staff. So I think Parisi definitely taught me, you know, one, everything really about speed and change of direction. So. Yeah, and I want to follow up on this. Because, you know, recently you have two pretty high level um, athletes. One, you have Holly, uh, you know, who's a phenomenal lacrosse player. Uh, played on the national team in Canada, and I mean, we'll probably be on an Olympic team at some point. And then just this week, right, you had uh, the Quigs. Uh, you know, she had a girl just commit to UNC for soccer who trained for what, four years, something like that? Oh, I've five had her years? since seventh grade, I think. She's now yeah, a senior so in high school. Yeah, five, six yeah. years. You know, so committed to UNC in soccer, that's, you know, you, there's nothing better than that. You know, what, what was that experience like? I mean, we, I know I remember her, you know, at a young age, we knew she was a, a freak wasn't a big kid though right and still isn't really that big of a kid but we knew yeah. she was a, a gifted soccer player and um, how has how how was that you know working with her knowing that you have a girl that's probably going to be a big time d1 player at 12 years old and then you have to incorporate speed and strength training and really you're not going to be doing heavy lifting with a 12 year old so what was that like when you first got her because i know right away we knew okay this is a special kid and we have to really you know cultivate her and bring her through our system 
Oh, she's tough. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what? She's, um, we put a lot of muscle on her actually and speed. Um, actually just recently her, the UNC coach said, I guess watched her play and said she looked a lot faster. Um, now obviously she was, I think she started in the, we put her in the elite or TP two at that point right away. I think, um, she trained, the biggest thing with her is overtraining. Right. An injury we had to overcome with her. So bringing her up through everything was like, Hey, okay, Lauren, I had like, we had to sit down with her and be like, here's your program. You know, you're going to come lift twice a week. You're going to run and you're going to do change direction. I tried to limit her to four times a week. Now I even limit her to less than three, but she trains an hour and a half because she's in our peak program. Um, but the big thing with her is, and I think most of these high level athletes, right? Cause the higher level athletes are the easiest ones to train. They're also fun, but like mentally is where, a big thing with her getting her mentally through things training she has practice she does double she does this i mean the kid works i've never had kids who work their butt off but it's funny because now her and holly uh train together and it's the best thing ever two of them together you know they push each other yeah yeah and they they've become friends i mean holly's more of a mentor to her i think because she's a little bit older but you know them training together has been an awesome experience for me too so yeah, I think it's great. I mean, listen, I, again, I was lucky enough to, to witness it and see, you know, see Vicky connect with this uh, this phenomenal girl. And and that's why, again, kind of the, the principles of this call is we need female coaches to have that connection. And you just made a big a, a big point there. The mental side of it is, is tremendous, you know, especially we'll take a sport like soccer, which it's a different animal. I mean, I don't think there's many sports that you can compare the level of commitment you have to have for soccer to, re- to reach these type of uh, these accomplishments, you know, going to UNT or all these other places and having a female coach, number one, number, number two, a coach who played collegiate soccer. I, I don't know if, if she would have achieved all these, these accomplishments like you're talking about if she didn't have you. I mean, I, I can definitely say that from before. And I know, Catalan, you probably had the same type of experiences working with female um, athletes. And I know at your facility right now, you're, you're the owner slash program director and you have Lizzie who's helping you. Um, and basically it's two females running their program. And just before we got on the call, Catalan said they're at their highest membership, uh, ever in, in, in five years, uh, with two, two, uh, two women at the helm. So, so something's going right over there. So I want to, you know, what do you think about that as far as the female coach impact, not only on the business, but also, uh, some of your athletes. Um, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I kind of come from a generation, which I don't know if it's politically correct or not. It's like, I don't want these things to ever come back at me. I'm really okay knowing that while I don't want to be under, don't want to be underestimated and I don't want to be um, given less opportunities, but I don't mind that um, certain etiquettes are maintained when I'm around, when I'm in the company of men, if that makes sense. I don't mind being in the company of men. Obviously, I mean, I was in MMA and, um, you know, I can't tell you how many, my husband and I joke, how many schools in the world I've been forbidden from walking into. I don't appreciate those experiences. You know, I flew all the way to Japan Tokyo. I was training and I had a job in China and we were in Japan. My husband came with me and 
we were like, we're going to train at Sakuraba school. He's a huge pride fighter. I mean, I idolized him. He was just amazing. And I walked, you know, we flew across the world and I didn't have to go to Tokyo for this opportunity. Um, never even thought in a thousand years I would be forbidden. I went there, showed up with my gi, ready to train and pay because I was already in Asia working and I was not allowed to step foot and they freaked out. So I, and they were like bowing down to my husband, who's not a huge man, but he's a bigger man. He's, you know, you know, 5'11". He's not huge, but he's bigger than a lot of the, the men in that community. So those oper- or those experiences I don't <laughs> cherish wow. at all. However, I do appreciate that while I was in the company of tons of men training, that there were certain polite and etiquettes that were maintained. And I don't mind any of that. So what I have found is, especially with Lizzie and I, is that people do behave a little bit differently around us. So we look at that as like an asset that when in the company of women, a lot of people still behave slightly better. Does that make sense? But let's just say that is possibly true, that young boys and girls are raised to behave a certain way in general when women are around. We just expect that tone. Does that make sense? Yes. So we don't allow maybe certain types of behaviors or language that I think, and I'm not picking on young teen male athletes, but that young athletes may not do in the company of women. And I guess I can testify to that, like working with the football teams, because I've had, along with my other coaches, I can hear from afar, the boys behave differently when Brandon and Rupert are leading the session. So like I might be across the gym and they're on the turf with them. They talk a little differently. It does not bother me. But when I'm on the turf, they don't talk like that. I like that. I don't mind it. So I don't find offense in that. What I would be upset with is if they challenged me on how to do why hip lock is important. If they challenged me on skipping is stupid. So I I think that what I've been really good at doing throughout my career, and Lizzie is the same way. A lot of times people underestimate Lizzie because she's just a cheerleader. Her personality breeds cheerleaders. But when I was talking to a father last night whose son is a basketball player, and I said, you know, I was trying to explain how we all come from a different walk of life. I was doing an eval on a kid that is hoping to go to college to play basketball. He's a high schooler. And I said, we all are going to have something different to bring. I said, I really want your son to meet Ash, who played college and got a scholarship for high school or college basketball. I said, but don't underestimate. I was telling the kid when Lizzie's your coach, because no one understands teamwork better than a national ranked cheerleader. No one says team better. There's no better team dynamic than competitive cheerleaders. I don't care what football team you come from or basketball, but they bring something to it where their energy is always positive. And I said, you need to find a way to grow from everything every single coach has to offer and not cherry pick your coaches based on 
what their background is because they were kind of alluding to some things like, well, you know, you, you just get a sense. So I think that like for me and Lizzie, we just really try to harness the things that separate us from some of the male coaches that are positives because there's nothing wrong with the differences between male and female coaches, but the content and the nuts and bolts are going to be the same no matter what. And I think that's what we have to communicate. And that's what the network does a really good job of is that the science and the curriculum that we're giving these athletes is the same. There's nothing wrong with the nuances between the coaches because two female coaches could also be coaching completely differently, mm -hmm. you know? So that, that's something I do want to share with female coaches. There's nothing wrong with what makes us more female and there's nothing wrong with ma what makes a male coach more male. As far as adjective goes, the content's the same. So I think you bring up a good point about personality. I mean, uh, you know, Vicky and I, you know, we work together. We, you know, it was me and you, it was John. And we also had a bunch, we had a few other females kind of come in and out um, with males. And it was a different dynamic, right? I mean, your personality is definitely different than a couple of the other females that we had there. And I don't know if you want to piggyback on, on what Catalan said. I mean, how has that been, been for you? You know, perfect example, you know, uh, Catalan worked with a football team. How has it been for you working with male athletes, female athletes, male teams? Um, have there been any challenges, any positives, any negatives that you might want to share with some of the other female coaches? I think it's funny because honestly, I love John, but he's like more laid back than I am in the weight room. Like more of the males are afraid to train with me than they are with him. I think sometimes <laughs> it's just, I just like, I think my presence is just, I have a strong presence. I also don't take like back, like I won't take any of their stuff, you know, but I actually did two days ago. I had eight kids, eight elite kids, all boys. And they're all just like joking around this. I'm like, what, what are we doing? I'm like, knock it off this. Side. Like, as soon as I raise my voice, though, in two seconds, they're like, okay, Vic, uh, what do you want us to do? I'm like, get out of the bar. Let's go. We're squat. Like, you know, so I don't usually have a problem. Honestly, I don't train the football teams. I let John handle it because um, he did a lot of team training with Steve um, and learned from him. And he's very, like, loud, boisterous. I could do it. I don't mind doing the boys' soccer, but I just let John do the football because that's, like, his thing. Um, I'll walk in and help him. But I don't, I don't mind training a group of male athletes. They usually don't give me a hard time. Sometimes the guys I've had for a while get comfortable with me. And actually, Catalan, when you're saying, like, they talk different, some of them don't. Like, they don't care. They're, like, too comfortable with me. Um, there's another a football kid at Pope John we've had since he was, I don't know, how old's Trey, Steve? We had yeah, 10. We're friends with his family. We've known, like, I could talk to him like he's – Anyone else? I mean, he just turned 18 today. So we've known him since, you know, for a long time. I don't think he's, he's not disrespectful, but I don't think he speaks to me any different than he would to Steve or to John. So, I mean, and I kind of like that, like just being treated the same, you know, but. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely have higher, I don't, I like manners. So I'm not saying you don't like manners by no means. I'm just saying that, um, I think I yell at the athletes more than the male coaches too. Oh, so um, do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it just happened. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, 
every facility is going to have their own set of culture. There's certain disciplines within our cult, our gym culture that might be different than another. Um, I think that, I think the variations that you get in personality are one thing, but I don't, I don't try to apologize for, um, the female way about maybe some of the things that I do. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think the differences between men and women are bad. I think they're, they're good differences. I think that in anything, it, it, it seeing female coaches leading male athletes has a benefit to also helping to raise better men. I agree. So I think about point. that from that perspective. I think about my boys a lot and how, what kind of men are my boys going to be when they are dating, not in high school, but like when they're grown men dating mm -hmm. and you know, are they going to be comfortable with women who make more money than them, have more education than them? Are they, you know, how, what's their dynamic going to be? So I kind of also look at things like that. Like I feel just as you want women to have good, positive relationships with male teachers and leaders and mentors, I feel very passionate about young men having women in their life that they respect, that helped them to become a better man, aside from their mother. I think that that's really important. I think especially young men today, they do need more positive female mentorship because their life is going to be working with women, dating women, leading women, having women as friends. Like I want to see men grow up and have every type of relationship with women in a healthy way. And I feel as a female coach, I'm also helping to develop that ability and their capability to live alongside women in a respectful way. Um, I feel it's different than the English teacher because that's a different dynamic. There's something more familiar about being a coach than being the English teacher, yet I want the same level of focus and respect as your English teacher or your principal. Does that make sense? So um, that's something I would think about a lot when I started coaching um, the football teams a couple years ago, is I want them to just have respect for women across the board, even though I will never be able to run as fast as my male co my cohort of male coaches they will still beat me on a 5105 but that crossover step man i've got it dialed down and you're going to do it the way i tell you to do it so that's kind of the thing that i i think about and i do find that there is a fine line between um there's a slightly different way in which coaching men, I think, sometimes has to happen, particularly in a group of male athletes who clearly have never had a female coach in their life. That's something I'm becoming more acute in recognizing. You're making a great point because, honestly, I never thought about it that way. But you're right. How many male athletes have had a female coach, whereas plenty of female athletes have had male coaches? Right. 
it's, it's, I never thought about it in that respect. And it shows you how dumb I am. I mean, I never never talk about that. Right. So I kind of look at myself. I went my whole career without ever having a female coach or any positive female mentorship, leadership relationship whatsoever, other than my college professors, which I had great mentorship in that realm. But from a physical standpoint, I mean, you know, so I kind of look at it like I had all these great relationships with male coaches. I want it in reverse for the male athletes to have great relationships with female coaches, because I just feel like it pays it forward. So then when they're men and when they grow up and they have daughters, you know, I have a really cool story to, to, (laughs) to share. And it is a little dated. Um, So when I was younger, most of us could agree that happy days and Laverne and Shirley were pretty, you know, holistic, good TV shows. And I know it may not have been a show like you watched when you were a kid, Vicki, but when I was little, Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley were like, they were the funny sitcoms on TV. Fonzie was, Fonzie was my favorite. Fonzie was <laughs> the best. Yeah. But I didn't recognize this, but Fonzie was a sexist. The show was very sexist. I had no clue about any of this. My father forbid me from watching Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley as a kid. Do you want to know why? Nothing wrong. He would say there's nothing wrong with being a housewife, but those shows will teach you that all you can ever be is a housewife and a factory worker. You can watch Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy is a better show for you. I'd be like, I don't like Mork and Mindy. He's stupid. And she would say, but Mindy makes all the money. And there's the best part. And Mindy always listens to her father. Wow. I don't even know what that is. I know. That's Robin he, Williams. That's yeah, first, I don't know uh, what that is. No, he was Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah, he was an alien and Mindy had a career and she was in broadcast and her confidant and best kind of like mentor was her father who always gave her advice. But more importantly, Mindy was a career woman and we were fighting for sitcom time. So <laughs> that was kind of, but You know, so it's very interesting that he was just so hyper aware that that might shape what I thought my possibilities were. I think about that story all the time. And how that's an amazing story. Huh? That's an amazing story. I'm going to share that with my wife and my daughters tonight. That's an amazing story. And now, I mean, I'm not saying I don't laugh at, because Laverne and Shirley is a show that kind of has that Lucille Ball type humor. And he would let me watch Lucille Ball, which was hilarious. But that's just because they were Cuban. And that's a different story. Oh, that's right. Cuban. So there is a difference. And it was the only (laughs) Cuban thing on TV. Um, So, I mean... I think I think about that in that there there are some things that you can make a conscious effort to try to reshape the way in which people's perspectives are based on the experiences they receive. And I feel that the Parisi Network as a female coach, while I want to make kids really better athletes, don't get me wrong, I sometimes feel more committed to that other mission in reshaping the way that they view um Sometimes women, I'm not saying that's like my platform and I'm on a soapbox with it, but 
at the end of the day, I feel like they're going to go away with a really positive experience having had a female coach. And I think that's valuable as well. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm trying to come up with the words for that. That was awesome. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to even respond to that. Oh, that's great. I mean, listen, this is why I wanted to have this call because I really wanted to talk to two of you. I know you, again, I know you're on a personal level. So I'm a little, uh, I've a little insight to, to know who you are as people, but I've already learned a ton about the both of you that I didn't know. And I think our network needs to hear more of this, you know, especially from, from the female side. And the, the, the final thoughts, cause I think, you know, we, we need to do a second call on this and invite some other coaches. Yes, stay Vicky, I'll, I'll go to you. I'll go to you first. What, what advice would you give now to we have? A, I think we have a lot more female coaches entering our network. I've definitely oh, seen yeah. it from the certification. Um, so I'll start with Vicky. What advice would you give to some of the new female coaches that are, you know, stepping on the floor for the first time? A lot of them might be just out of college. What advice would you want to give to them? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just go after it. Do what you love, and everything will fall into place. Because that's pretty much how I felt going into it. Like. It's, just, you know, like you said, you threw me in there, sink or swim. Like you'll, if you really love it and you, you're, you're dedicated to it, you'll, you'll be successful. Well, I think, listen, it, it sounds simple, but we'll, let's reiterate it. You know, you can't be afraid. I mean, and it's hard. There are a lot of people who are afraid, male versus or female. They're afraid to walk on the floor for the first time and teach something that maybe they don't know fully. And they're kind of faking it until they make it, so to speak. It's not easy to do. And I, I think, if anyone, that, that's just great advice. And I think people should definitely reach out to you, Vicky, so your phone may blow up. So definitely hit up Vicky at Workforce if, if you want some advice, because I can say from working with her, uh, you've made a tremendous growth, not only as a, obviously a female in industry, but just from a coach to a PD, a program director, and now an owner. That's a great ascension through the ranks in a very, very short amount of time. Um, so definitely proud of you as a person and, and as a professional. And we need more people like you in our network. And definitely, you, you're someone we should look up to. I don't know if you've ever felt that before, but I definitely bring your name up a ton and we need more people like you. So I hope people reach out to Vicky because she's definitely a great resource and she's had some hard times. Um, you know, like we all have gone through it, but I'll tell you one thing, she, she handles it better than anyone I've ever seen. You know, it's definitely uh, some difficult times, not only professionally, but personally, and she, she handles it. So I think more people need to reach out to you and you can kind of coach them. Even though you call me sometimes for advice, people got to call you for advice as well. Thanks. Catalan. Right. Final thoughts, because you blew us away already. So, uh, I think that the biggest thing for women in any industry that they should remember is don't try to prove yourself. Just do a really good job. Be honest, um, you know, with the things that you're good at and the things that you're not. Uh, find a way to bridge the time it takes to get good at the things that you're not. Does that make sense? So mm -hmm. I was not... Um, I still struggle with like understanding certain elements of high level speed training. Like I want it so bad, but what I don't do is then try to go out and pretend that I know it when I'm coaching, I stick to the things that I know really, really well. And that's always been my, um, forte in teaching is I'm really good at teaching the things I really know well. And then I just kind of take one small piece of something I'm trying to get better at and bring it in as opposed to trying to teach something that I don't know that well and making that the focal point because then I'm layering in some growth at the same time 
as I'm being an expert or a leader in something that I know really well. I've done the same thing with martial arts. You know, I was a really great striker and um, a phenomenal kicker. And boxing came really naturally to me, um, but I didn't know why I was really good at boxing. So like I would lead with the kicking and then sprinkle in the hands. And then over time and communicating that, I just started to figure out why I was so good at the hands. Sometimes you also just need to take time in practicing teaching things. So, and then came the ground fighting. And then I was no way an expert in ground fighting, but then I would sprinkle in the ground. And then slowly I have these different layers of things. The same thing with the speed. Like I'm really good at the strength when I came to the network. I got better at the strength because it opened my eyes on how strength for speed is different than strength for power, even though now mm -hmm. we're starting to kind of fuse it a little bit. And then I integrated in the, the speed, you know, so the, those are the things that I think you need to be really, really aware of regardless of gender, but where you are in your true layer, your level of your career is Make sure you stick to the things you're really good at and be humble about the things that you're not, but don't try to prove yourself so hard, male or female. I think that's great advice too. I think a lot of people try to overdo it. I've seen that before. Uh, it's male or female, they try to overdo it in the beginning and accept the fact that maybe you don't know everything and that's okay. You know, but, but put in the effort, like you were saying, to learn different things. Just like Vicky, you know, she didn't know a lot about speed when she first came on board but she put the effort in. She took extra time. She asked me a bazillion questions uh, about training and, and, you know, that thirst for knowledge that you both have had. And I can, I think you continue to have it to me is another reason why you are successful because you're never acting like, you know, it all. Uh, now you, we, we might debate and argue and, and I think that's healthy. That's how you learn. But I've never felt from the two of you that you knew it all. And I don't think I know it all either. I appreciate the fact that you call me and ask me for advice. But trust me, there's times I don't know either. You know what I mean? I'm still trying to figure stuff out. I'm reading every day. I'm watching videos every day. And uh, I, I just want to be, uh, become the best coach I can be. I still don't think I'm a great coach yet. You know, I've been doing this 20 years. I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm taking on a new adventure as, as a track coach. Different world for me now. You know, now I'm developing track athletes. It's, it's been challenging my thinking on, on how I have to work with them. Beyond what we do, there's more things I have to think about than ever never thought about before a kid doing long jump, a kid doing relays, a kid doing hurdles, a kid doing throws. It's not just our program. It's really made me think about just programming and, and, and organization. And so anyway, it's, it's, it's challenged me. And I think, you know, the advice I'm going to give everyone here is, you know, the both of you were not afraid of challenges. You both took them head on. You're both very successful. I know both of you are going through some difficult times and in, in this COVID industry we're we're all kind of dealing with it, but, um, you're two leaders in our network and we need to have more people like you in our network, male or female, but from a female side, you're definitely a role model. I don't know if you're comfortable with those titles, but you are role models. And I think we need more of you in our network and hopefully everybody reaches out to you guys and follow you guys. So, uh, I thank you for your time. Um, and I appreciate it. So hopefully everyone gets on this podcast, listen to this multiple times. I can't wait to listen to the recording. I'm going to go back and listen to it right away. So Vicky, thank you so much. And oh, Cattle, thank, thank, you. You. thank you very much. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, Vicky. Bye, Kyla. Have a good one.